Our scripture for today comes from two scriptures. The first is Deuteronomy 24, verses 14 through 15. You shall not withhold the wages of poor and needy laborers, whether other Israelites or aliens who reside in your land in one of your towns. You shall pay them their wages daily before sunset because they're poor and their livelihood depends on them. Otherwise, they might cry to the Lord against you and you would incur guilt. And then the second passage comes from Matthew uh, chapter 20, verses 3 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, these last worked only one hour and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm Hannah again. Hello. And if you are the praying kind, would you please pray with me? God, this day, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, be of you and your grace and your power and your mercy and your justice. May they lead us towards greater freedom, not just for ourselves, but for all, and the liberation that it is at the heart of your gospel. And if they should not, God, if we should be afraid of others being equal, or if we should grab more than we need, help us to notice, to turn around, to change in the ways you are always inviting us to, and to move forward together towards your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Welcome all to this um, Choose Your Own Adventure Martin Luther King service. We have had uh, so many things happening this weekend, and I want to invite us also to pray for those of us who right now are making sandwiches for the hungry, those of us who right now are blessing their commitment to a community fridge in Maywood, those of us who right now are taking those steps that Marlon has invited us to take to support um, the FREE Act. In all of these ways, the freedom of people who are formerly incarcerated or incarcerated is, is restricted bit by bit. And every time we take away one of those pieces, our community as a whole moves towards liberation. For those of us who right now are dancing, because joy is necessary to sustain life and to sustain the work of justice. To those of us who right now are sleeping because rest is a kind of resistance against productivity as the only way we think of who we are. For all of us, we pray, we give thanks, and we pray that all of these things would be a part of our lives moving forward, all of these components of what it is to be a human being, not a human doing and a human being who lives in a world where we all want to live together in peace and in justice. We wanted to talk especially today about the connection between two fundamental parts of what it means to live in a world that is trying to be more just um, for all of the people who live in it. And um, one of the things that we're gonna talk about is labor. All this month in January, we have been considering labor and work and the ways that they enter into our spiritual lives and our material circumstances. Work is a huge part of how we experience the world. It's a huge part of how we experience God. And it's a huge part of the testimony of the scriptures. As we learned from seeing all the way back in Deuteronomy, right, that one of these first ordering rules of the community is pay a fair wage to the stories and parables of Jesus or one of the ways he describes the kingdom. He describes the kingdom as so many things, right? A mustard seed, a flourishing plant, and that it's a place where no matter whether you work a little or a lot, you get the wages you need that day to live. This idea of a fair wage of fairness at work is a part of how the Bible describes our relationship with God to be. And it's clearly in our world something that a lot of people don't experience. Um, many of you may have heard people talking about the great resignation these last weeks and months, or you may have participated in labor actions as more and more places are unionizing. You may have participated in the last weeks and months in a boycott of a company that was not treating its workers well or where workers were walking out. You may have participated in a labor action at schools where um, people are not participating in work that they do not believe to be safe for them or the other people who are showing up. We are in a moment where our world is reconsidering what work might be, could be, how it should feel and how it should feel to all of us, including those of us who can't do paid labor. This is a part of our reconsideration of work is what does it mean to work? If my work is caring for my parents or caring for my children or caring for myself because I don't get money for it, does that make it less the work of my life? If I am disabled and I can't sustain paid labor over paid labor over time, does that mean that in Jesus's kingdom parable, I would simply be cast out? 
Or do we believe that the extension of that story is necessarily that all would receive the wages they need each day to live, no matter what work is or looks like or can be for them? These are the spiritual questions before us. And these have always been the spiritual questions before us, although they've taken different form in different generations and different times. And particularly at the end of his life, they were the questions before Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. For those of you who haven't had the opportunity to study those last months and years of his life, Dr. King was making a deliberate um, effort to refocus when the Voting Rights Act had passed and certain um, fundamental voting rights he believed had been secured. We know now, right, that, and he probably knew then because uh, he knew how people are, that they're always at risk and we always need to be fighting for them. And we're going to talk a little bit today about how you can do that. But he was making a deliberate focus to shine a light on economic justice because he believed that simply the fundamental right to not be in segregated spaces, but integrated spaces to have access to public accommodation, to have access to the right to vote, meant nothing if there weren't wages and labor and dignity to undergird them. And he had moved towards the poor people's campaign, um, uh, uh, another version of which exists today under the leadership of Reverend William Barber. Many of you have participated in events there uh, where, where he believed the next step was to secure a job or an income for everyone, for all people, because that was going to be the basis of how we could actually exercise the rights and freedoms to be with one another in community. That if you can't eat and you don't have a place to live, nothing else is possible. And so we must secure that for everyone if we're going to live in a community that experiences justice and liberation. And so I want to share with you a little bit of what he said about that turn, about that move, um, so that we can think about what that might mean for us now today. <laughs> you are demanding that this city will respect the dignity of labor. So often we overlook the worth and the significance are those who are not in professional jobs, are those who are not in the so-called big jobs. But let me say to you tonight that whenever you are engaged in work that serves humanity and is for the building of humanity, it has dignity and it has worth. You are reminding not only Memphis, but you are reminding the nation that it is a crime for people to live in this rich nation and receive starvation wages.
it is a crime to live in a rich nation and receive starvation wages. It is a crime to live in a place where there is- a This evening, I would like to discuss- You're gonna hear that in a second. <laughs> um, and, and be in a situation where there is inequality and where some have so, so much more than others and some don't even have enough to go on. This is what Martin Luther King said as he engaged with the Poor People's Campaign and with the sanitation workers strike in Memphis in the weeks and months before he died. These are the challenges he was making to the very order of community, the very order of society, the very order of our world that he considered to be indelibly linked, inescapably linked to the rights of integration and voting rights that he had fought for. And yet so often, um, these are not the ones that are lifted up in the speeches about this day and this weekend. These are not the ones that are lifted up in our education about this day or his life or his There are some in our community who are afraid to honestly face what it would mean to follow King's lead about the need for income and dignity and labor for all, to follow the Bible's lead about the need for fair wages and access to income for those who are poor for all. And yet the things that frighten us about that may be the fact that it's just so different from what we experience. The fact that some of us would have to let go of the idea that we have more because we're better or we have more because God blessed us, but that maybe some have more because the world is disordered. And in a world that looked like God, all would have enough are things that God is calling us to overcome. Many of us, I think, believe in this vision and yet have a hard time knowing what it would mean to make it happen in our circumstances, to make the world look like the kingdom that we dream of. And none of us know <laughs> exactly how to make that happen or we would have done it already. But that doesn't mean that we stop fighting for it, that we stop believing in a world where what God says can be, can be, and is true. What the prophets and the heroes of the past have given their life for can be. And so we continue to believe that as we, as we fight, we fight for a measure of freedom for all those from whom freedom has been taken away. We fight for the free act, for simple things like people who are formerly incarcerated can take care of the estates of their loved ones when they're in grief, as Marlon has um, invited us to do. We believe that we still need to fight for voting rights. This weekend has become a weekend where, um, if, if uh, anyone is not aware, the Senate has been in discussion over an, a bill that would secure the right to vote for those many folks in our country, Black people, brown people, poor people, um, from whom the right to vote is being systematically attacked in many states in the United States. Um, and yet it might not pass. It might not go because there are those who say that ancient rules, which have only ever been used to cement racial injustice, cannot possibly be broken. Well, we believe that there's no rule. <laughs> there's no rule that is safe when it stands in the way between us and God's justice, between us and rights and racial equality. And we want to go further. 
to say that once voting rights are secure, that is not the end of the story, but that we want to go to the places that King went, which is economic justice and an income for all. And, and we can fight for that too. And so many of you may have done this before, but just in case you haven't, you have some action steps in your comments um, about how to act on the free act. But I also wanted to equip us all to act on anything that we think um, is important in our world. So if you come to the Chicago Votes Teach-In Wednesday night, you'll get some specific steps on how to um, secure the right to vote in our state of Illinois. But you also probably care a lot about our country and securing the right to vote um, across it. And so I'm gonna show you how you might contact your legislators if you've never done that before. So if you have not ever done that, if you've never called your uh, member of the House, if you've never called your Senate, it's really, really easy. <laughs> you can Google contact your legislators and it'll always come up. If you need to contact somebody in the House, here's findyourrepresentativehouse.gov. But what we know, right, is that um, voting rights currently are before the Senate. So we can click on contacting U.S. Senators, choose a state. Because we're online, many of you might not live in Illinois, which means your senator might not already be in favor of this bill. Ours, our, but even if your senator is already in favor of uh, expanding and securing voting rights, you still might want to say thank you for that and encourage them to fight even harder, right? So I'm still going to contact my senators. Here are my senators in Illinois. If you didn't know, that's Dick Durbin, that's Tammy Duckworth, and I can just click on contact, contact. And I can either email or what I know is going to make a little bit greater impact is if I call. So I'm gonna look at this phone number, I get my cell phone out and I'm gonna call that phone number and I'm just gonna say, hi, I want you to fight as hard as you can for voting rights because that's what we need in our country. That's what I believe as a Christian. That's what I want you to do as my Senator. And you can do that too. So if you've never called a senator or a member of your House of Representatives before, I encourage you to do it for the first time today because it is an act of faith, because it is an act of worship, um, because it is a way that you can get to know God through getting to know God's call for all of us. If there's anything we've learned living through the pain and the hardship of the last few years, I hope it's that none of us um, is alone, that all of us are deeply interconnected. That if one of us is sick, all of us are in danger. If one of us, our rights go unsecured, all of us um, are living in precarity. That if one of us doesn't have enough money to have housing and food and safety, all of us are unsafe. And so when we fight for others, we fight for ourselves, we fight for each other, and we fight for a community that looks like the kind of community God is inviting us to that Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King in his wisdom and in his vision invited us to and fought for, and that we can continue to fight for every day of our lives. And so we give thanks for being here together and for that opportunity. And if you have any questions about how to do that, throw them in the comments or come to coffee hour after or the Chicago Votes Teaching on Wednesday. Blessings to you, each and every one. And we're about to have um, a song that we will share while we um, it, put in the comments, if you uh, want to come to any of those things, and we'll put the link in there, um, while we have a short time of reflection. So share in the comments, what might God be saying to you? What's one action you want to take? What's one thing you're thinking about? Um, as we consider all of the opportunities that have been put before us this uh, Martin Luther King weekend. 